to the Feedback Force podcast, the game design analysis podcast of the End Defender community. I'm Kelso. And I'm Kyla. And I'm Carla. And we're back for another episode. Yeah, I, I, I was relatively untimely. We have. I think, yeah, I think we have. Yeah. We've been good. Good, good lads here. Nice job. <laughs> Ready for us to have just jinxed ourselves. <laughs> yep. Oh, almost certainly. That's fine, though. I mean, yeah, whatever. Yeah, I have, I don't know, nothing that interesting to report. It's daylight savings time here in the U.S., which is annoying. Yeah. I hate yeah, it. This. I hate it so much. Like, I, I'm finally, um, just within the past couple of days, sort of back at the point of waking up when I normally would, um, without it, it being a huge struggle. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I'm fine with daylight savings, but I don't like this inconsistency of not knowing when it is for you guys. Every six yeah. months. <laughs> I Yeah, but we have yeah. daylight savings next week. Oh, yeah, that's true. <sighs> Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, you know, I like I like it being light out later in the evening. That's nice. But I also don't like it being dark out earlier in the morning when I have to get up. Yeah. So. You just can't win, I guess. <laughs> I just don't like not being able to sleep as long. And it it always takes me forever to adjust. So... That sucks, but what are you gonna do? Sorry. It's uh, at least it means that it's summer soon, and it's gonna be nice and and warm and happy. Yeah. I'm actually like looking. I'm sort of distracted right now because I'm looking out my window, and there's just like huge fog rolling in. And whenever this happens, <laughs> I can like I can just see it coming from a distance, and it sort of just swallows every. It's 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 fun and a little bit scary to watch, but... Ominous. I know. Silent Hill. <laughs> it is. It is super Silent Hill. Uh, yeah, I really don't have anything interesting to talk about either. I, I mean, like... I I've, guess I've been... Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just gonna say, I, I've been a bad boy, uh, and I <laughs> bought I bought the, the Windows edition of Final Fantasy XV, and I... I have already played all of like the main campaign and now I'm wow. ready. I know. And now I'm like ready to move on to the DLC, which I haven't yet because I I needed a break from it. But That's pretty impressive. This is the f- literally the first Final Fantasy game I've ever completed. Um I'm just like I appreciate the series theoretically, but JRPGs in general just aren't for me because I like with every other Final Fantasy game, invariably I've lost interest at about the 15 hour mark, which yeah, is fair. Yeah, I so agree with that. And there's exactly one JRPG that I have ever beaten more than once, and that's uh, Eternal Sonata. Pokemon. Yeah, I guess Pokemon counts. Yeah, that is true. Debatable. It, yeah, yeah. It's... it it does it. 
it, I would say it, it hits most of the major beats that a JRPG has, but it also has like a whole nother like large scale mechanic on top of it that is a thing that most people like about it. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a weird one for classification, but I, yeah, I get what you're saying for that. Uh, I could not stand Eternal Sonata. I really liked the story and stuff, but it was so slow. Oh, really? I think I think the thing that did it for me was the um, the combat being a little bit more active. Um, but yeah, the, be, the story was amazing. Be careful what you wish for. I've been playing Secret of Mana, which is a JRPG <laughs> with active combat. Um, yeah, it still it, has it's, a lot of problems. Eternal Sonata did it in an interesting way where it was uh, it was still turn based, but every turn you had like a set amount of time that you got to just kind of run around the field and do whatever you wanted. Um, so it was a good balance. And I, have you do you know about Eternal Sonata, Kyla? Not really. So I mean, I've heard the title before, but I I feel like you would enjoy the premise. It's basically um, takes place in like a pretty generic-ish, like, JRPG fantasy world, but the fantasy world exists entirely within uh, Frédéric Chopin's brain as he dies, as he's, like, in a fever dream coma while he's dying of tuberculosis. And he's the main character. I feel like you've mentioned this to me before. That sounds vaguely familiar. I love it so much, and it... You get random info screens. Yeah. Yes. A long text about his life. Yeah, like in in between <laughs> chapters, it plays it plays his pieces and like gives you a little bits of biography about him. And then like there's like little cutscenes where he's like in bed and there's like people like sad around his bed and talking about him. <laughs> it's so dumb, I mean, but I'm I love down it for that kind of weirdness. Like, yeah, no, super charming. It 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 is super charming. Um. And and he's like one of your main characters in in the game. <laughs> oh, in his own mind. Yeah. It, I mean, it, yeah. It, it gets a little brutal because like one of the other main characters is like this like fourteen year old girl. Actually, no, I think she's like twelve or thirteen, and she's like dying of an incurable illness, and and then she's faced with the existential crisis of like, but I don't really exist. I'm just in your dream. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Interesting. I mean, I did at one point want to make a game about, um, possibly not a game, possibly a graphic novel, about uh, time-traveling Nikolai Tesla and Alan Turing. Ooh, yeah. um, so, you know, I, I can be down with, like, historical figures appearing in wacky RPG yeah. like, context. Yeah, it's it's good. Like the the worst thing about Eternal Sonata is that it voice acting. Oh yeah, that too. It's not it's not always great. Um, uh, but it it never got a PC port and probably never will, which is really upsetting because, uh, I know it came out first on the Xbox 360 and then like maybe a year and a half later, it came out on the PS3. And as far as I know, PS3 copies are like super expensive, and I haven't looked at Xbox copies, and I don't, I don't know if I still have a copy kicking around somewhere. But that could be I a bought my Xbox my copy for like three bucks. Oh, <laughs> man, yeah. Good. I have only like one. I I own an Xbox uh, 360. I think um, I did not purchase it. 
Uh, it was like a, a friend no longer wanted it and gave it to me. But I have only the one game for it, and so like might yeah. be good to have a second game for it. Yeah, I, I kind of. I mean, I actually don't know where mine is, but the one that I have is kind of sort of stolen. Um, it it red ringed, and I had a friend who um, worked at a like game like it was like a local sort of regional chain of like a a GameStop like thing but uh he hated it there they treated their employees like utter garbage so <laughs> what he did was he took mine in the one that had red ringed and then he swapped out my hard drive into a unit that they just had that worked and then he brought it back to me so that's fun I see. Yeah. Well, don't say that person's name, because we don't want to retroactively get them in trouble. Oh, no. I mean, this was years and years ago, and I think not too long after this, the company, like, laid off a ton of staff for no reason, including him. So, that's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so, last... The previous week, I have also been playing um, Into the Breach lately, mm-hmm. uh, which we talked about playing for a podcast game, but having played it a bit, I was like, mm, I think Kelso would hate this. <laughs> so I know I hate this. I hate <laughs> it. Um, I'm playing it because uh, some friends and I are working on a uh, like a tactics RPG type game. Um, I'm doing the writing for it. <clears throat> And so he was like, oh man, this has like a lot of stuff that we could learn from. Like, I want everybody to play this game. Um, so I picked it up and it's like very, there are some things I like about it. It's very puzzly. Um, but it's, it's too, it's almost too puzzly for me. When I play tactics games, I like to play them in as much as I play them at all. I like to play them kind of intuitively with what feels right at the moment. And this is very much a game where you just have to, like, sit there and work through what every possible permutation is of what you could be doing. Oh, yeah. Before you make a decision. Like, in a very deliberate way. And so that's, like, not super fun for me. It's like but, five-dimensional chess or something. Yeah, kinda. And I mean, there's a lot of cool things about it. And it definitely, like, has a tone it's going for and strikes that tone really hard. Like, it's it's supposed to be, like, this kind of post-apocalyptic time travely kind of thing where you're like going back to try and save this doomed timeline from aliens but it's kind of this like you're always sort of fighting a losing battle no matter what you do because it's like a roguelike so the idea is eventually you know you like you you keep doing runs until you get far enough to beat the game mm-hmm. uh, just like FTL which is their previous game oh okay oh, um, okay I didn't realize it was uh, the same people yep nice um and so like they very much lean heavy on the like there's only so much you can really do angle and my favorite way that they do this is every time one of your like buildings takes damage a number pops up that is the number of casualties oh and it's like in the hundreds oh no like oh no you let this building get hit 246 people just died whoa (laughs) oh that's Oh, that's brutal. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. man. They're, go- they're going for something specific, and they go real hard. 
<laughs> but it's you know I, I think it's a it's a really good game like it's really well designed and I think the sort of people who like this sort of game you know like this is a great game for them uh, it's not exactly my type of thing it's not FTL <laughs> no it's not um, it's I mean it's it's like a cousin to FTL uh, like it has some similar things in that like the roguelike elements are very similar to what they do in FTL but the the actual like moment to moment gameplay is is very different. Hmm. I mean, it's a you know it's a strategy RPG, so yeah. Man, I haven't played FTL in a really long time. Huh? Yeah, Two I weeks. <laughs> <laughs> did you did you replay it once when uh, Into the Breach came out? No, I didn't. Okay. Um, because I it like I, it offered it to reinstall it when I installed uh into the breach. It's like, do you also want to install like this uh like HD version of FTL that comes with it? And I'm like, all right, whatever. <laughs> that's... So I I could have gone back and replayed it, but I did not. That's a little sneaky. <laughs> I mean, it's not I that mean, sneaky, but it's nice of them to put in one of their old games yeah for free with bundling it with their new game. <laughs> It's not like most of the people who, you know, wouldn't want to play it haven't have not already done so. Yeah. So. I feel like I feel like there's probably not a whole lot of people who haven't interacted with FTL uh in some capacity. But maybe that's not accurate. I don't know. I think FTL was either the first or second game that Sean Plot played on his like day nine's day off. Friday stream. I think I vaguely remember that actually. Might have been the very first one. Yeah. Oh, long time ago. Ah, memories. When we're, oh my god! The, sorry, sorry, I just looked out the window. The fog has turned into, like, snow. Which <laughs> I wasn't expecting. Sorry. Sorry, guys. Okay. <laughs> that really, Kelsa really took me. startled by weather. That's really a weird took me by surprise. <laughs> I don't know why I'm so like it's been really overcast all day, and I have a weather widget on my on my desktop that shows that there is a chance of snow today. So I don't, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know, you guys. I guess I'm just jumpy from uh, playing. Doki Doki Literature Club. Hey. Segway. Perfect. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, which has been our most recent podcast game, which I suggested. God knows why, because I don't like horror games. Yeah, I uh, in replaying it, I I had I was reminded of how uh, how how scary it actually gets at times and how jump scary it is in a couple of yeah a couple of incidents so yeah i have like i have like three major topics that i want to broach as part of the discussion on this game once we get through the sort of basic summary yeah um and one of them is like the different types of horror and like cheap horror versus like well crafted horror and how we think this game makes use of you know one or both which yeah. I think you are probably way more the expert on than than I. Um, but yeah, let's let's do a summary first. Um, so before we get too far into this, uh, like 
the usual spoiler warning. If you're listening to this, you probably know what this game is about, and if not, you know, you should play it first. Um, but on a, in addition to the usual spoiler warning, um, content warning? Because yeah. as we discuss this game, we are going to be talking about some sensitive topics, uh, including um, depression, suicide, self-harm, among other things. So if any of that makes you uncomfortable or if that's, like, not a conversation you want to hear, you know, that you're into right now, um, feel free to, you know, we, we we're just looking back through our like over 50 other games that we've talked about on this podcast. Feel free to go check out one of those instead. Yeah, totally. Um, I did. So I actually did stream this game um, Mm -hmm. for my playthrough. And I did have like people come in and say like, whoops, I did not realize this was going to be like this much about self-harm catch you later kind of thing. Yeah. So um, yeah. So Doki Doki Literature Club is a game that on the surface is like a super cutesy dating sim kind of game, like faux Japanese thing that, uh, you know, you, you, your best friend, you play like standard hapless high school boy protagonist of dating sims. Um, yes. Yes. They, they refer to you with a masculine pronoun whenever they talk about you. Um, pay attention. (laughs) Yeah. I, I, I was sort of wondering about it, but it's, yeah, they do say he, and they um, do see yourself. Is that true, though? Because in the end, they tell you, I don't even know which gender well, that's, you are. Well, that's when they're talking to you as the player, not oh, yeah. the character. Oh, yeah, of course. So, yeah. Yes, we'll get to that. <laughs> you you do see yourself in, like, I think they show your, like, upper body in one the of, of the, yeah, yeah, in one of the CGs, and, and your extremely generic uh, male visual novel dating sim protagonist. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so you have a childhood best friend, like you do when you're a standard dating sim protagonist, mm-hmm. um, uh, and she convinces you to join the club that she's vice president of, which is the literature club, because you're like a sad sack who hasn't joined any clubs yet. Um, and in that club are, along with her, are three other girls. Uh, there's the president of the club, Monica, uh, who's sort of very ambitious and keeps everything kind of under control. Um, and, you know, moving along. There is uh, Yuri, who's the sort of, like, shy, quiet one who gets really invested in the books she reads and, like, cares a lot about literature. And then there's uh, Natsuki, who's the Sundere one, who, like, I don't really like you. I made cupcakes. They weren't for you. Uh, you know, that sort of character. Very cute, uh, but also, like, very, like, aggressive <laughs> Yeah, and extremely st- babaka, standoffish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so there's a kind of a cute, most, uh, I feel like most modern dating sims have to have some kind of little mechanical twist or other to, ca- to keep people interested. Um, so this one has a system whereby you like write poems to romance the girl that you want to romance. So there's like an interface where and by the way, I said that with like no actual basis of knowing that much about dating sims. I don't actually play a lot of dating sims, but it's that is my impression. Um, so you uh, you write poems by like this book opens uh, between days of school, and the uh, there's like a selection of words on each page, and so you go you flip through like 20 pages and pick one word on each page, and depending on 
what words you pick, like the the girl whose personality they appeal most to, like gets more points, and then you end up having a scene with whoever you put more points into. So it's like if you do serious literary words that and you know like big vocab, then you get Yuri. If you do like cute cutesy sweet words, you get um, Natsuki. And if you do straightforward words about happiness and sadness, you get uh, Sayori. Uh, yeah. You can't romance Monica. It won't let you... Like, there are no words you can choose that will romance Monica. Uh, which I found kind of disappointing on the first playthrough. Because I was trying to roleplay it, and your character is, like, clearly interested in her. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah. So you do that. Um, you play through. You get a couple scenes. Festival's coming up. You know, your characters start to do prep for, like, presenting the literary club at festival. Um and then there's an incident with uh, your friend Sayori where she's, like, uncomfortable and leaves the club. And you go to talk to her about it. Uh, and it turns out that she's, like, been suffering from depression for a long time, like, for her whole life. And it's been hitting her really bad lately. And she's, like, not doing well. Um, and then the game continues a little bit more. Uh, and then Sayori kills herself. Uh, and that's, like, the big turning point of the game. There's actually mm-hmm. no way to prevent that. Like, there are some story decisions that you're making, but nothing you can do actually stops that from happening, which is in itself an interesting commentary. Um, and then the game goes weird. Uh, the game starts getting, like, really glitchy, and, like, it restarts, but... Uh, Sayori has been, like, her whole presence has been erased from the game, and every time the game would normally try and mention her, it, like, freaks out and glitches and, like, prints weird text. I Uh, I think this is the first point where the game uh, directs you to the actual uh, root install file for the game, and where the files actually start getting fucky. Yeah, so you see, when, when she first commits suicide, you see, like, a thing happens where the screen goes weird, and a thing appears in the background that says something like, you know, error in line such and such of this file, um, and then, you know, then the game restarts, uh, and deletes all your saves, um... So if you, well, it doesn't, if you try and reload a save, it says, like, saves are corrupted, please start again, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so you start again, stuff starts to get weird, um, it gets weirder and weirder, uh, the characters, um... The characters basically start fighting over you. Yeah, and they get, like, like really kind of horror movie version caricatures of themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, Yuri starts, like... Uh, cutting and being like super obsessive about you and like threatening violence like on you and herself Mm -hmm. in pursuit of you and like she and Natsuki blow up at each other I didn't actually get to see I I think there's a Natsuki scene in that can happen in the second half that I didn't get to see Um, all Uh, the I don't think there is there so I'll go more into this later but there there is you can you can start to steer the game uh, towards, like, a romance with Natsuki, uh, but then it immediately tracks you back to Yuri. So yeah, yeah. I tried. I tried to. Uh, I tried to romance um, Natsuki in the second half of the game, um, but failed to do so. Yeah. Um, I, I in the first half of the game, I romanced each of them once. 
so I got to see like the starting scenes with each, but not like the finishing scenes with each. And then you have to pick someone for the uh, like to come over and help with the festival. So that I use I did Yuri for that one. Mm-hmm. Um, so we uh, so so yeah, they start fighting over you. Things get really bad. Things get even more messed up. Like it's just a, a continuous series of things getting more and more fucked up. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of jump scares in this section. Um, things like characters will suddenly like they're visually glitch. There's one the the stupidest one the one that I like l- rolled my eyes at real hard. A character's eyeballs literally pop out. Yeah. In like one scene. Yeah. Um, there's things like you know eyes bleeding or like text that looks like in a completely different font than the rest of the game like overwrites the main text and yeah. says like horrible things yeah and... like in a different font and a different voice yeah basically um and yeah bad yeah. bad things start to happen and eventually uh like yuri corners you and then i assume no matter what you say to her um she like gets so worked up that she stabs herself uh, and then you sit there with her corpse for a couple days. Um, and then Monica, like, finally reveals herself as, like, the person who has been causing all this and who's been fucking with the game files because she's a self-aware character who understands that she's in a game and she just really wanted to end up with you because as the player, you're, like, the only thing that gives her life meaning. She's so the she devil just... from Pony Island. Yeah, yeah. basically. Uh... She's, like, way more high-strung than the devil from Pony Island, though. Like, he was a little bit of a sad sack. She's, like, real intense. Um, and so she basically, like, deletes all of the other characters other than you and everything in the game other than you and her, and then you and she just sit in this, like, room together with Void outside the windows, and she has, like, a long conversation with you. Um, and part of that conversation is, like, I wouldn't even say a hint, but, like, a fairly blatant instruction (laughs) that you can go into the, like, game files and delete her character as well. Um, You can talk to her for a while, too. She actually has a lot of dialogue Yeah. um, if you can talk to her. Mm -hmm. Um, I did not read it all at the time, but I did go look up later uh, what most of it was. Um, And then, so you delete her character. uh, The game restarts. Um, she gets really sad. She's like, you know, like, how could I have done this to you? I should have realized that, like, you're here for the game, and by destroying this, I was, like, destroying the only reason to, that was keeping you here, and, you know, yada yada. So you restart the game. She's not there. Um, Sayori is the new, is back. She's the new club president. You get, like, a day in, and, uh, like, then Sayori reveals that as the new president, she now knows everything. Of, like, she's also become self-aware, and, like, knows about the game files and shit, uh, and is, like, basically on the same path as, uh, um, Monica was, and so you, uh, like, Monica, like, reaches out from, as, as Huck put it, from the ram, like, where yeah. she still from, from the recycle bin, basically. Yeah, and, um, she just deletes everything. She's like, like, this game is no good, and she just, like, deletes all, all of the files, and that's the end of the game. And then there's, there's, like, a, a cute little I mean, I don't know if cute's the right word, but you get you get some voiceover. Everything's glitching out, and she's like, "Can you hear me? Can you hear me?" And then she starts talking about like in a in a really 
to me it felt like a really genuine sort of teenager uh, bit of dialogue. She's like, well, I've been practicing piano, and I really, really want you to hear this song that I wrote for you. I mean, I'm not any good, but it would just mean a lot to me if you listen to it. And then the credits roll, and she's, like, playing you her little piano song. As the files are being deleted. As, as files are being deleted, yeah. I uh, that. That's a good ending. Which is basically the same, but the files are not being deleted. Oh, I don't think I ever got that. There's a good ending? Huh. Yeah, I think you need to save scum. Oh. Which actually works. Okay. Because you need to see... I think you need to see all the dialogues. Oh, okay. Or, like, all the CG from all the characters. Uh I never managed to do that on uh, on a single, like, playthrough, so... No, I checked it up. Afterwards. Oh, okay. Okay. That makes... That makes sense, I guess. That you would have to... That you would have to game the game to get the good ending... I guess that yeah. that fits in. I could see that. Yeah. So the game the game encourages you to do some you know like meta stuff, and it is it it is on its like in in its mechanics a very sort of meta experience because it's about the game character being self aware, um, and she even like the so the the description of the game and the store is from her point of view, and so she has some dialogue about like. You know, you knew I was self-aware, right? Like I wrote the description, like that's me talking in the description of the thing, and I'm talking about how it's a game. Like, did you not pick up on that? You really should pay more attention to these things, yeah. Yeah, she's like, woof, awkward. Like this would have been so much easier if you just paid a little more attention. Yeah, yeah but who uh, reads this? Yeah, nobody. I didn't for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so. And it's it's also self-aware in that, like, if you're streaming it, it does a few things differently because, like, it doesn't show, I guess, some of the more, like, gross things in the game. Oh, huh. um, I didn't know I don't that. know if that's meant, like, as as in sexual content or as in gore content, but that's just what I've heard. Oh, well. um, I, I don't know what I missed because I only saw what I saw. I don't think um, there is any actual sexual content, so... I mean, I didn't okay. encounter any, so... I don't know Fair what enough. that what that would be. Um, and then uh, there's also a section at the end if you're streaming it where like Monica like basically calls out the streaming audience as well. <laughs> like, hey, you should tell your friend not to like videotape people without their permission and just broadcast it for everyone. That's cute. <laughs> uh, so we also had I had a super weird encounter uh, that my whole chat was like buzzing about. Um, a bot, we think a bot. Someone came into our chat with the handle Doki Doki Monica, um, and like was talking like the character in the game. We're pretty sure it was a bot. Um, yeah. But it was it was pretty hilarious because it also like you know yelled at us for accusing it of being a bot. So <laughs> that's funny. Which you could easily do by you know just scraping text, and if someone says the word bot, you just play that thing. It mostly just said, like, hi and hello and, like, one or two character things, so. Interesting. Um, it came, it did not come across like a real person. Oh, yeah. God, if yeah. I made this game, I would sit, like, for eight hours a day just pretending to be a bot. <laughs> yeah, just just trolling into people's streams. That, I could see that. Yeah, that reminds me of, um, there was a, uh, I think it was a, a Half-Life was it a Half-Life mod? I don't know. It's one of those, like, sort of older uh, Half-Life mods, it, it, like a horror game mod. And some guy, um, 
I think it was Afraid of Monsters was the game, and some guy um, a number of years ago had a server, and he would show up in the server as one of the, like, main antagonists of the game and just, like, fuck with you. Like, he'd show up outside of windows, and he would show up at the end of hallways and then walk out of your field of vision and then, like, make himself invisible so that when you turn the corner, he wasn't there. Um, there's some there's some pretty good uh, like u- videos of that that server on YouTube, but that 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 kind of uh, like cre- I mean, not saying that this wasn't a bot, but that kind of creator interaction reminds me of things like that. Yeah. Um, if if this is not an authorized thing by the creators of the game, I'm sure they don't disapprove. Yeah, totally. Because um, it's very much in in the character of the game and of the experience. Um, so the three the three major topics that I want to talk about are like the horror elements of the game, um, how the game portrays uh, mental illness, uh, and the meta elements of the game. Um, so we can do those in, and then at the end I want to talk about the arg, but we'll we can get to that. Um, we can do these in any particular order if you guys have stuff you would like to talk about more strongly than others. Uh. I mean, I hate for all the stuff. Yeah, so. I mean, we could talk about... I have some things to say about the meta aspect of the game, I think. I have some things okay. to say about all of it, probably. Uh, so... Yeah. Okay, so let's start with the meta, then. Um, this, Yeah, so the game, like, does a lot of talking to you directly. Like Carl uh, alluded to earlier, there's, like, when she's talking to you at the end, she says something about, like, how, like, oh... <laughs> You know, like, this really has nothing to do with the character, whoever you're even supposed to be. Like, this is you, the, the player, and I don't, I don't know if you're, like, suppo- if you're a guy or a girl, or, like, I really don't know much about you, but here I am. I think the goofiest part of that whole exchange was she addresses you as the name that you put into the game, but then she, like, scrapes part of your name from your Steam profile. So, my, my default in, um, like visual novels where I know I'm like playing as a boy um, and I don't you know my, my default is just K the letter K but then she scraped it and she's like well maybe you go by K time instead <laughs> because my my steam name is K time bomb and I'm like uh, that's stupid but I yeah. see what you're going for here <laughs> does she actually grab it from steam? Uh, I mean, I'm I'm assuming so. Maybe not. For me, it was absolutely my computer name. Oh, I don't think my computer name. That so could that's be one it. of the things. That's one of the things that doesn't happen if you're streaming it, oh. which makes total sense because they don't want to accidentally re- reveal someone's like personal info on stream. Yeah. So. I don't think. Hmm. I. I. Hmm. I'm pretty sure my, my computer my name is just named gay. my computer and oh, it's pretty inappropriate <laughs> that's that's funny huck pointed out that like that kind of data scraping makes this program technically malware um because <laughs> programs are not supposed to scrape that level of data from you that's interesting <laughs> and it makes sense but yeah um i i hope that like in the states at least they only do that from your steam profile because that seems to me like the only place where they should legally be able to like access that info about you yeah that yeah i agree <laughs> i feel like i feel like steam wouldn't allow 
this game on their platform uh, if it was scraping from places it shouldn't be scraping from, but who knows, man. Yeah. I mean, it's meta in a lot of other ways. So, like, that's a little bit distressing just on a, like, personal data safety level, especially because there's been a lot of that kind of thing going around lately that's been used in, like, actually nefarious ways. Yeah. Um, like, politically, so... It's it's not that's not great. Hmm. Uh, that said, I have a fondness for games that do the kind of stupid thing of like, uh, like hey, you know, you actually have to go into the game's file system and like delete files from it in order to like, you know, solve this problem in this like with this character in the meta, um, and that actually is the reason that that's the thing that got me interested in playing this game mm-hmm. um, was because when I heard like oh it's a it's a dating sim but it's actually a horror game I'm like eh whatever like not really my my speed either way and then I watched a review of it and it's like oh it has all these meta things where you have to like delete a file out of the thing to you know to continue and I'm like that actually sounds pretty cool maybe like I should check it out um, I'm not sure I'm glad I did I probably would have been better off like just watching someone else play it <laughs> Yeah, that's... The thing about the meta aspect for me is that because I'd already played it before, this time around I I tried, um, like, sequence breaking and deleting characters when you're not supposed to delete characters, and the disappointing thing is that that does nothing to, yeah, as far as I could tell, it... What? It does something. Does it? If you I, delete, like, Sayori or Monica before you start, you get different stuff. Oh, see, I... Yeah, I didn't... Well, actually, no. On another playthrough, I deleted Sayori at the very beginning, and after clicking through a couple screens of dialogue, like, it just reverted and put her back in. Oh, you have to, like, do it before. Oh, okay. And, like, open the game after. Okay, because, I mean... Yeah, probably checks for things on startup. Yeah. So, what, uh, the only thing you get bummer. is essentially a it starts... screen with her being hanged. Oh, okay. So basically, it starts you off where you would have started off if uh, if that had happened in the game, basically. Mm-hmm. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, no, no, it's just that screen. That's oh, and game. that's the only thing? Okay. I guess that makes sense. Huh. I guess I did um, it wrong then. Um, yeah, I tried to do something along those lines, too, where... Um, when I deleted Monica, I didn't actually, like, delete it. I just moved it out of the folder. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when it was like, did you just delete me? And then it was, like, checking for file Monica. I put the file back in, but it didn't find it. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, like, it's it's a pretty thin, like, veneer, uh, veneer of, like, this, like, you actually have control over things via editing the game. Yeah. Uh, there are a couple of other things if... Like this time around, I actually kept the um, the program files just open in a separate, like in my other monitor, and sometimes yeah. files just pop in, like um, immediately before the scene where Yuri stabs herself, and you spend the entire weekend staring at her corpse. Just a little file just pops into the directory, and it just says, "Have a nice weekend." Oh, <laughs> and and a couple of other instances, I think like a poem showed up in there, um, l- little things like that. Um, Honestly, yeah, there's, there's all kinds of creepy weirdness and yeah. things like that. But yeah, honestly, um, I, I don't know. This game didn't really hold up to a second look for me, and part of it is 
like this kind of stuff isn't really that novel to me because <laughs> um, uh, I mean we've already played a game about that like we've already played Pony Island which is that sort of a similar sort of thing not exactly the same but you know close thematically um, there's yeah. actually a visual novel that I don't think ever got localized um, that's semi well known um, from I think 2013 which is called uh, Kimi to Kanojo to Kanojo no Koi which means uh, the love between you, her, and her and it's it's basically a, a meta visual novel where you've got your childhood friend mm-hmm. uh, and like a weird girl who talks on, this, on her cell phone to God um, and basically like some of the things that shake out in it are that um, you play it once and you romance your childhood friend and then you restart the game and things start getting weird and your childhood friend like comes at you and is like why are you cheating on me Hmm. and you find out that the weird girl is actually like she's basically sort of a sentient being uh within romance novel or not like uh dating sim visual novels where her entire existence is sustained by uh collecting h scenes like the explicit <laughs> sex scenes, uh, which this, this other game actually has explicit stuff as far as I know. Um, so you like see her, you know, having sex with someone else and you're like, why are you doing this? And she's like, I'll die if I don't. Um, <laughs> so I mean, I'm not going to like say that, that Doki Doki Literature Club is like a ripoff of, of this other game. Um, but my yeah, point, my point is that. Brand new, exactly. Yeah. And, and even the idea of like going in and deleting files, um, I think, I think the first game that I heard a lot about that, uh, actually accesses your files, like this is a game from, uh, 2009 called Lose Lose, which is, it's like a Space Invaders clone. I think I know about this. Yeah. One. And the one where, like, when you delete or when you uh, kill enemies in the game, like, they are actually files in your file Yeah, system. it just assigns the aliens to a random file. And when you destroy them in the game, it actually deletes the file. And it could be any file. So it could be, like, like system-critical, uh, like, OS data that could completely fuck up your computer. Yeah. And, <laughs> like, honestly, that game, yeah, that game is, like, a decade old at this point. And I think it it did those themes sort of better than anything else because yeah, it, I mean, it immediately even... did them high stakes. <laughs> yeah, that's about as high stakes as you and, can get. And the other that. thing is that you don't actually have to attack the aliens because they never attack you. Huh. So it's more of a, like, I don't know, like a, a self-reflection kind of thing where it's like, think about the things that you're doing in games. Yeah, It's a game designed to be talked about and not played. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and I mean, even like the original Metal Gear Solid, right, had that whole yeah. psychomantis sequence mm-hmm. where it like reads your memory card and like tries to spook you by knowing what games, what other games you play. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So, yeah, so it's not it's not a new thing. Um, it's maybe it's new to a lot of people who played this, obviously, um, who like. I mean, I th- I feel like most, except with except for maybe Metal Gear Solid, most of that other stuff is known to like people who seek this kind of thing out, but maybe not as much general audiences. Yeah. Um, That's why, I, even before we started, I thought this was a game 
like a visual novel for people that don't like visual novels and I <laughs> don't really mean that but it's like the target audience is people that are not used to the type of game it is well yeah and I think uh, I mean there's a lot of that lately <clears throat> like a lot of western visual novels that uh, in actuality bear very little resemblance to the what Japanese the genre actually parts, is yeah. it's like this is the third visual novel that we've played for this game and still the only one that I really enjoyed was Hustle Cat, so... That we played for the podcast, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I mean, I again, I don't have a whole ton of visual novel experience, but yeah, I, I really liked Hustle Cat, mostly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that one was cute and made me happy. Um, I don't know. I, I guess for me, like, and I'm not even, like, super-duper into visual novels. I guess I just am, by default, the visual novel person on this podcast and it's like man there are so many really good like Japanese visual novels that have actually been getting localized like it, it feels a little bad to me that people kind of ignore those and, and just go straight for like the more milk toast western counterparts but I mean that's that's also kind I guess just be like being an elitist gatekeeper so I try not to do too much of that <laughs> um, I mean, I think shame on you. I know. <laughs> someone someone pointed out to me uh, in the course of playing this that it seems like um, a lot of like the Western consumption of visual novels has been like the non traditional ones in terms of like the things that are meant to be deconstructing the genre or like satirizing the genre. Yeah. Uh, you know, because, like, the first really big popular one in recent memory was um, Hotful Boyfriend, right? Mm -hmm. Like, that kind of, I feel like, kicked off a bunch of this. And so she was saying, like, that seems, like, unreasonable because, you know, th these things require you to know all these tropes already and, like, to be used to visual novels in order to get the references and get, you know, what they're trying to do. Yeah. But I was thinking about it, and that is true to some extent, but also, like, a lot of us as gamers are also anime fans yeah, and there's exactly. a lot of overlap you overlap can, with yeah, uh, anime. You can get a lot of the tropes from anime. Um yeah, for sure. Um, so my problem with like I don't know. It was it it went through such a tone change to me. And besides I mean, the obvious? Besides the obvious, yeah. Because mm -hmm. like the act one was I mean, I was like, it was sadness, and then it started to get creepy, and then it started to get like, you know, existential the meta, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, and like, I never understood what the point was, to some extent. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's kind of a good segue into either of the other two topics. Um, I think. Uh, like horror wise it's really inconsistent um because there's some stuff it does that are just like the cheapest jump scares um and yet like there some of the existential stuff is actually like really intriguing and somewhat like internally horrifying and like some of the more subtle horror things they do i feel like are actually really effective mm -hmm. um but then like then there's just fucking ridiculous people's eyeballs popping out it's like, come on, really? Yeah. I mean, I think they work together. Because you sort of create the 
atmosphere that lets you not be safe. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I agree, but I still think that doesn't make the jump scares less cheap. Like, it's pretty easy to make someone anxious by making them afraid of being startled. Right? Like, yeah. I actually went into it the... So I, I streamed this in three parts. The first part, I played pretty much all the nice parts of the game. Um, and I saved and stopped, like, right before you talked to Sayori about her depression the first time. Um, and so then the second part, I did, like, a bunch of the, like, more, like, straight-up horror stuff. And then in part three, I did the rest of that and the, like, existential ending bit. Um, and I... On the third day, I said to myself, okay... I'm just going to have to accept and, like, deal with the fact that I'm just going to be startled. Like, I have to accept that, like, some stuff is going to happen that's going to startle me, and I just have to be okay with that. And it was suddenly a lot less scary. Because most of what had been, like, unnerving me and making me uncomfortable had just been like, oh, shit, something's about to pop up. What's about to pop up? Yeah. And, like, the other stuff is, is sort of, like, interesting, and I think ultimately more deeply affecting um, but it doesn't make you as in the moment terrified yeah I, I mean I guess my big problem with the jump scares in this game is that they almost lean more on auditory cues than they do on visual cues in a lot of cases and that doesn't scare me it's just uncomfortable <laughs> like physically uncomfortable when, when suddenly there's like crackling and like inconsistent audio levels and I'm like, oh, this is just annoying. Like, I'm yeah. not scared. I'm just mildly pissed off about it. So. There was there was one moment I had like a really surreal thing where I'm like, just like, I'm like, am I so scared that I'm like feeling sick? Like, I feel dizzy all of a sudden. What's happening? Like, this is like, I feel like really like kind of just physically uncomfortable. And then someone pointed out that they fucking tilted the background, and it was yeah. at a Dutch angle, and that mm -hmm. always makes me nauseous in games. Yep. I'm like, they fucking, they're playing with my goddamn like nausea. Yeah, there's like that, I mean, or or the fact that they, they did so much things like that. Yeah, that and, and like subtle pitch shifting of the theme throughout the whole second part. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was it was a lot of those, and I was. Like, I was impressed how much they did. Yes, and it's weird because to me, as I said, like, I feel like some of them hit really well, and some of them are kind of, like, silly duds that are almost more funny than scary. Yeah. Um, I saw a clip from the, uh, I don't know if this is a real clip or even now. Is there a clip with Natsuki where they put, like, real person's lips over her, like, talking? I didn't no. see that. If if that's in the game, I didn't see it. So <laughs> possibly, that's possibly no. <laughs> okay, maybe not. Um, I was wondering, is, did did either of you get the like Natsuki scenes that happen in the second half of the game? Because I didn't get any of those. Uh, um, like when she has like black eyes. Uh, I think I saw that. But is there like if you romance her on the first day, can you hang out with her? Yeah, there's there's, there's one scene that I got before it forced me back onto the Yuri track where she's like, 
she's in the back by the supply closet, like, looking for a volume of manga that she can't find, and she's, like, it, it, it sort of goes into her backstory where she's, like, talking about her dad, and she's like, well, I can't keep my manga at home. And then the text, like, goes into that blacked-out weird mode and says, like, because my dad would beat the shit out of me if he found out. And then, like, you f- you find it, and she sits down, and you, like, read manga with her. Yeah, Similar. that's what happens when you yeah. romance her in the first half. Yeah, and that's the only scene that I saw. Um, okay. Besides, like, I invited her over for cupcakes this time, to, to help make cupcakes for the festival this time, because uh, the last time I did the poster thing with uh, Yuri. Yeah. How does that scene go? Because the one with Yuri is actually a little creepy in the first half as well, because she talks about how into knives she is. Yeah, um, it... You it's have, very cutesy. It's it's pretty cutesy, yeah. Like, the whole time she's just, like, insulting you like a tsundere. And it goes a little bit into, like, her backstory, which I they don't really touch on nearly as much as Yuri's, is that, like, her she lives with her dad and he's, like, abusive and, yeah. and like, doesn't feed her. Because you get that out of one of her poems a little bit. Yeah. Because and actually, so it's super cool in the first half of the game, um, when you like when you write poems to people, like everybody in the club also writes a poem back, and you you actually learn a lot about their characters from their poetry more than what they actually say. Yeah. Um, and there is one that um, that Natsuki writes that kind of hints at the fact that like she she might be living with someone who's abusive. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't know. It's is she the only one that has like different poems based on what you do, or does Yuri do that as well? Uh, I, I believe Yuri does it as well. Um, it's been a while since I was like, because the last time I played this game, which was uh, a couple months ago, or like maybe six or more months ago, um, she she I remember getting a couple poems from her that I didn't see this time. Um, I don't really remember what they were about, but, but yeah. So I think, I think you do get slightly different results. Everybody's poetry gets pretty dark at yeah. one point or another. Um, e- even in the, even in the first half of the game. Um, and that's sort of where you get the first hints about Sayori being depressed mm-hmm. is that her poetry, um, basically talks about how like she can't keep up trying to pretend to be happy for everybody and like she doesn't have enough left in her and Mm -hmm. it's it's really dark and really sad and like really made me you know like want to reach out to her but the game won't let you so yeah or the game lets you but ultimately it means nothing (laughs) yeah it lets you in certain limited ways yeah so you know how like Huck was master detective last time (laughs) talking about her story I did such good call-outs, like, yeah. <laughs> the first time, or like, before I read anyone's poems, I called that Monica was the devil, mm-hmm. <laughs> I called that Sayori and Yuri would kill themselves, Natsuki would get killed, and Monica would kill someone. Yeah. All of those things happen. Nice. Yep. yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I've, like, I called some things as well, but mine don't count because, like, I, I had too much hinting from the spoilers I had received. So, like, I, I knew that somebody would be committing suicide, so, you know, no, no real points for guessing who. I knew yeah. a lot of people would die. That's about it. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, there's so I like I talked about this a lot when I was streaming it, but I think for me, and I am not a horror expert. I don't really enjoy horror or like watch horror that much. Um, turns out I have strong opinions on it, regardless. Um, <laughs> imagine that. Um, but I, for me, the most interesting kind of horror is the ones that sort of like like stick with you and get under your skin and make you like question your own like worldview a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and the example I brought up when I was talking about it on stream is uh, the Enigma of Amigara Fault, um, which is a Junji. Well, it's not originally a Junji Ito comic, but Junji Ito adapted the story mm-hmm. um, into a comic. And it was something that I read at the time, and I went, well, this isn't that scary. Like, I don't get what the big deal is of this. And then for, like, two weeks, I could not stop thinking about it. Yeah. And it just it just sat and ate at me and ate at me. And it's, like, to this day, one of the most frightening things that, like, I can think of. Ah, oh, Jinji Ito's so good. <laughs> and that's not uh, even a very typically Jinji Ito comic. Yeah, either. it's it's not. No, I'm, I'm not really a fan of like the Jinji Ito, but I would really like that one. Have you read it, or you you would like to? No, I have read it. Okay, and I really like it. It's it's disturbing, and it's disturbing in a way that's like not because it's like startling you, or not because it's gross. It's just like it has a certain like existential dread to it that's hard to explain. Yeah. Um, and I think this game was trying to get to that point in certain bits. Like, there were, like, the whole thing at the end where she's talking about, yeah, like, yeah, when you turn the game off, like, it's horribly painful for me. And, like, uh, you know, like, I basically just scream the entire time. It's like, that's, that's a little disturbing. <laughs> Weird to think about. Yeah. Um, but again, we have seen that kind of theme before with, like, uh, with Pony Island. And and actually, like, Undertale touched on this kind of thing as well. Although in Undertale, they, they present it as when you're not playing, everybody's, like, happily going about their business. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of feel, and this is probably completely just biased talking because I love Undertale so much, um, but I kind of feel like Undertale earned its meta stuff a little bit more. Like, it didn't go quite as deep into it, um, but it, it, like, worked it into the narrative from the beginning, and it really, like, built towards it, I guess, so that when it finally happened, it was like a a triumphant feeling. Um, Whereas this is just, like... I guess they they do bring up, like, messing with files from the midpoint on and, like, messing with the game code, but it it doesn't feel that... I don't know. Um, foreshadowed? Yeah, I I agree. Um, basically, until you get that specific poem from Sayori, like, there's no indication, really, that anything's going on. And then from that point on, it just goes completely off the rails. Or on the I rails, mean, really. You, you can read in, like, a lot of things... I mean, there is some, like, the poems stuff. Yeah, the poems are definitely, can, like, disturbing from day one. Yeah. Like, 
if you play it again, you can really pick out words she says. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I don't. I guess. Uh, I, I don't. I don't like meta games. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's fair. I, I I don't know. My whole thing with this game is that a lot of it, and and maybe this is a good place to segue into uh, the portrayal of mental illness. Um, but e- even with the horror elements, a lot of it just feels cheap. Um, and like like cheap in a manipulative way. Um, where like Sayori's depression and uh, Natsuki's uh, abusive home life and Yuri's uh, tendencies towards self-harm are all kind of just used to make the story darker and more shocking. Yeah, that's so that's like exactly what I wanted to talk about. Do we feel like that's primarily the case cuz I've I've definitely heard from a lot of people who suffer from depression who said that like um like Sayori's story like really got to them and was like really true to life and felt very like real and intense to them um and like mirrored a lot of their own experiences. And I assume by that they mean, like, the the part in the first half where she actually, like, discusses it with the main character. And, like, yeah, you know, why do you think I'm late for school every morning? It's like, I don't want to get out of bed in the morning because what's the point? And, you know, like, there's a lot of stuff in there that I've, you know, I had, I've had friends who, like, said, yeah, you know, I'm glad I didn't play that part right before going to bed because I've dealt with depression in the past and that, like, hit a little too close to home and I, like couldn't stop thinking about it mm-hmm. um but then then like it turns out it's all because like a crazy lady was like messing with her you know like her programming um and same with like yuri it's she's not really cutting because you know it's a way she deals with like her loneliness she's cutting because like monica's fucking with her yeah and, and that's the thing where like based on some of the text i could sort of go either way on it where it seemed like she was indicating that like specifically in Sayori's case and maybe also in Yuri's case that those issues already existed for them and her and Monica's tampering just made it worse yeah I think that specifically for Sayori they call that out in one of Monica's end dialogues yeah. she says like oh yeah Sayori was there and she was already all depressed and all I had to do was like nudge it a little bit um, they don't, they're not as explicit about that for Yuri. Yeah. It's harder to tell with Yuri. Yeah, and, and my, that assumption is sort of just based on, it's just an assumption, kind of, in my case. Because yeah. it's like, well, if she's got a knife collection, why would she have amassed a knife collection in the course of days that Monica's been fucking with her? Um, yeah. Or, or her, or her, uh. Well, you can like knives without wanting to cut yourself. Yeah, that's true. That is. That is a thing. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, Yuri... She does like she does like you know horror, horror and novels, sort of yeah. elegance and things like that. But I I agree. I think the intended implication is that um, because there's a part when you're when you're doing the poster with her, there's a part where you come back in and she's like hastily rolling her sleeves back down. Yeah, I, um, I vaguely remember that. Yeah. And so I think that's intended to imply that like cutting is already a thing that she does. Yeah. I mean, but again, we also don't know how far back Monica's influence goes. Yeah, so. it's 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 there's a lot of ambiguity there. Um, I guess with with Sayori's depression issues, like 
I'll I'll agree with with what you've heard from your friends that it does like I mean I've full disclosure I've had long periods of depression in my life I've been suicidal I've self-harmed uh for a number of years in the past so uh Sayori's depression in particular uh I'll agree it did really hit close to home um the worst of my experiences I think are far enough behind for me that it it wasn't like really uncomfortable for me to read um it it felt more like they did their research and yeah. and uh were were trying to portray this accurately which is why <laughs> which is why I think it feels so cheap to me like I feel like it could have been a good exploration of of mental illness if it hadn't been used as a plot device. Yeah. Yeah. I really, really wish they took Act 1, cut out the rest of the game, and made, expanded on that idea. Yeah. Yeah. Like, if it that's was... Actually... I think, I think that's a really solid game. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If it had been about, you know, helping Sayori with her depression, if it had been about supporting Natsuki through her abuse, if it had been about, you know, helping Yuri find other ways to cope than uh even, than self-harm even if it had been about like you know sayori kills herself in the end and as there's like nothing you can do to stop it no matter like you know how nice you are how how much support you give yeah. what kinds of support you give sometimes you just can't help someone that's true. like that would also have been a super powerful statement mm-hmm so uh, like i think a lot of these issues come from the the jumpiness of the game and the segments being so short. You don't actually get to explore anything and you have to, have to pack in like, well now this happens and suddenly this happens and this happens. <laughs> yeah. I think no matter how well you got to know the characters like making their mental illnesses into like part of the horror elements of the second half of the game would still be kind of uncomfortable in this way. Yeah, yeah but like Uncomfortable is fine. Just like every now in this game, everything is fine. Then she runs home, and the next day she's dead. Done. That's like one day period where she where she starts getting an idea about her feelings, and she kills herself. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. It it uh. it tracks it all in pretty quickly. And the, yeah, the game's excuse is that you don't, like, she's been hiding it from you, so you just, like, it's been there, but you just didn't know. Um, Huck feels very strongly that, like, you would have to have, like, a sort of psychopathic level of ability to hide things from people if to keep, like, that strong a depression secret from your childhood friend for so many years. Yeah. Yeah. That, that shit is hard to conceal. Like, I, would have never been able to keep up Sayori's level of chipperness throughout my darkest times. Like, there's no fucking way. So, um, And maybe it's different for different people. I think maybe yeah. for some people it's more important to keep it hidden. And so, like, they, they do work hard to do that. Like, I'm not, I'm not judging anybody if you're, you know, like, don't want to tell your friends and family that you're depressed. Um, you know, it's it's your life you gotta do what you're comfortable with but it's um like it does stretch a credulity a little bit considering how close they make out these characters to be 
Mm-hmm. Um, that she's like, oh yeah, no, I've been depressed since we were kids, and it's like, and this guy just never noticed that. I guess he is like a teen boy, so he, he's you can argue he's like very egocentric, but still. I don't know. Like I got diagnosed with depression a few years ago, um, and like. That was like, I don't know, six, seven years ago. And I think three years ago, I talked to my sister about it. I haven't mentioned it before. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, yeah, I also got diagnosed when I was doing it. And I don't know. Neither of us knew the other person. Do you, like, you, do you two spend a lot of time together normally? Uh, I mean, kind of. Yeah, like, so. we're not super close, but... Uh, maybe yeah. So maybe just sometimes, for some people, that is just the way that uh, that it goes. I know there's a you know there's a lot of stories about um, like a lot of comedians famously are very depressed yeah. because they've found that the best way to hide their depression is to deflect by making people laugh, <clears throat> and so it becomes like a coping mechanism for them. Um, famously, Robin Williams was very depressed. Mm-hmm. Um, which is super sad. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. It's I guess it probably varies from an individual to individual basis. I was I was okay with the justification that uh, like he just didn't notice, but I it did feel like a bit of a stretch to me, um, based on their characters and like who they are and how they interact with each other. Yeah. I'm just but, so annoyed that there's no time. Yeah. There's no time to explore it. Yeah. Yeah, I think this... Yeah, if they'd, if they'd wanted to make a game about, uh, you know, mental illness and dealing with mental illness, they it looks like the first half of the game is actually a really good foundation on which they could have done that. Um, but that was not their goal. That was not what they chose to do here. Um, yeah, so, the, so there's it's sort of two questions. One is, like, the lost opportunity of like, oh, you could have actually said something really interesting here and you chose not to. And then the other is like, does it just cheapen people's real lived experiences to make that like the horror element of the horror game? You know, like uh, like to have Yuri cutting herself be like the thing, a thing that's scary about the second half of the game. In a In a very like horror movie sort of sense. Yeah. It I mean I feel like uh self-harm is so frequently poorly represented across yeah. media yeah. that I <laughs> like I I can't really be surprised about it. It it was also fetishized real hard yeah. in this. Uh, yeah. And also very over the top. Yeah. Like, yeah. she owns a knife collection. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> sure, it doesn't have to be related. But, <laughs> but yeah. From it's, a writer's it's... point of view, it's certainly pointing at something. Yeah, it's a and little be- damning. <laughs> yeah, and because we don't see that much of it in the first half, in, like, how she ostensibly, like, really copes with it, we just see it in the second half. In the second half, it's very much like a, an element of sexual expression for her, 
like when she gets horny, she cuts herself because like she can't handle how horny she is, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and that's like. Ugh, that's not really the portrayal you want. You yeah, know and, what I mean? like, and that's like uh, that's the other part of of the ambiguity surrounding uh, Yuri in general is like Monica even says like I don't even think it's because she's depressed. I think she just gets a sick thrill out of it. And it's like, well, how much of that is like sort of the influence that Monica has had on her? Yeah. Which, which changes it completely, you know, if she's, if she's, uh, if she's cutting herself for other reasons and then, uh, Monica fucks it all up and makes it weird. Like, like that's a completely different thing. Um, I was, I was just minding my own business, cutting myself, and you had to make it weird. Yeah. Um, sorry, maybe that was in poor taste. Eh, it's fine. Um, uh, apologies if we're being insensitive, but this yeah. game is kind of insensitive about it. So we're working with what we've got. <laughs> yeah, you've you've got to sort of like take what the game offers in some ways, um, and it's it's interesting that it at least you know it at least has a strong enough portrayal in that first half that it's a it's clearly a topic worth discussing, right? We're not just talking about oh this game has some really stupid and insensitive portrayals of mental illness, like pretty much every other game that ever portrays mental illness. Yeah. Um, we're talking about like, oh, this game actually had a really like sensitive and realistic portrayal of of mental illness, and then kind of ruined it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I I agree. I don't know. I don't know if I have much else to say about it, but I wouldn't I wouldn't say that I feel like it it cheapens my lived experiences so much as it it does sort of feel like a slap in the face that they wasted what could have been. Uh, a really, you know, thoughtful and sensitive uh, exploration of some of these topics. Yeah. I mean, they do one topic so topic so well and another topic so badly. Yeah. Yeah. Like at it, the same time, it gives me hope that they could have done all of the topics really well. And maybe yeah. that's not the case. Maybe <laughs> maybe I'm just being too optimistic here. But and then you have the third topic, which, which they, I'm not sure they really. Yeah. They don't really mention it. They they that much. They allude to it a couple of times. Um, and that's why I was disappointed this playthrough that they railroad you so hard into not, or, um, into Yuri's path in the second half of the game that they don't even give you a chance to, like, explore Natsuki's issues. Um, to be fair, what they might have done with Natsuki's issues would probably have been, like, in really poor taste. Yeah, that's Sorry. probably true. Maybe. Or maybe really well done. Yeah. I mean, there's also something to be said for, like, you know, tr certain types of trauma and, like, dealing with, like, really difficult, the really difficult aspects of mental illness are in many ways, like, some of the scariest and, like, hardest things that we have to face in a real-world context. So making a horror game that, like, le legitimately explores those is not exactly an e easy thing to cover, but, like, is an idea that has some potential. Which is probably why so many games have done it so badly. Um, yeah. Yeah, I but... mean, it, it, it's hard. I'm not gonna say that it's, like, easy and they totally drop the ball. Um, but, yeah. but, yeah. It's hard and they totally drop the it's ball. It's hard and they totally drop the ball. <laughs> they, they, they dropped the, like, 
oiled up 20 pound steel sphere that they were trying to, you know, carry to the finish line. It wasn't like a Nerf football with yeah. like Velcro gloves or something. So it's it's a different kind of fumbling, I think. I mean, with that being said, I enjoyed the game throughout from start to finish. I I enjoyed the game as much as I can enjoy a horror game, which is is it has a very like hard ceiling on it for me. Yeah, that's fair. I I remember enjoying it well enough. Uh the first time I played it a while back, um while not being like particularly impressed, but you know, appreciating it for what it was, and then this time I played it and I was like, oh man, everything is so obvious. Like Yeah, it does rely a lot on novelty, I think. Um which maybe won't age well, I guess we'll see. I think I mean part of it's the novelty, but part of it is just that the all of these flaws were really glaring to me in a second playthrough. Like it, it didn't it didn't hold up under any sort of scrutiny for me. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. (laughs) So, interesting, interesting, like, you know, novel experience to play once, especially if you're not expecting it. Maybe not a thing that you go back and re-experience more than once. Yeah, and maybe be careful if you have a history of depression or self-harm. That might not be a good time for you. Yeah. To be fair, um, I think it, it did. It was much less tacky in certain ways than um, the Cat Lady, which is the other yeah. horror game that we played. Yeah, but the Cat Lady didn't have really any which pretense. Just, it didn't. It so. just goes full on shock value. Yeah. Uh, at all times. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. You're never gonna let yeah. me live the Cat Lady down, are you? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to its credit, it's one of the games I still think about the most from games we've played. Like, there have been plenty of games where, like, I look back at the list and I'm like, did we, we played that? I barely remember ever even playing that, but the cat lady stuck with me. From dust. (laughs) (laughs) We have have not apparently played from dust. We were all laboring under the, under the misapprehension that we had played from dust for the podcast. Uh, and apparently we haven't. So if you if would like did, us, if we did, we can't find the episode. Yeah. So if you like remember recording this with us, um, and talking about it, <laughs> like tweet us because <laughs> it's not there. Or We're if you having some kind of group hallucination. Yeah. Or if you want us to play from dust, uh, tweet us about that too. I guess. <laughs> Not that, since you started talking about that, Carl, I have like I have invented a sense memory of like Thanarod talking about it. So have I. Uh. Yeah. So like maybe <laughs> is it possible like we recorded it and it just never got edited enough? Can I ask him? I mean, I don't. You tweet him about that. I I don't think that that like unless there was a problem with the recording, I don't think that would be the case because I go immediately from recording into editing and uploading. So like, there's there's no time for me to like go off and do something else and forget to upload an episode. Yeah. Like that doesn't happen. So I don't know. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we speaking spent... of yeah, speaking of games that like make you feel like you're going crazy. Yeah. We we spent like twenty minutes discussing this basically before we started uh, before we started the episode properly. So that's why yeah, we're coming did back we to it now. Play this? Did we? Yeah. <laughs> we remember playing it, sort of, but like, we, there is no recording of it. Yeah. 
Yeah. I'm well. like, I know I think I just suggested we play it. Yeah, it's one of those. Um, yeah, so, I don't know. That's So, Doki Doki Literature Club. Um, the ARG. Are you guys familiar with the ARG? I'm not. Yeah, and I'm so disappointed that it didn't really lead anywhere. Well, supposedly it's like a, it's an ad for their upcoming game. Is is the way is what I heard? Is essentially the con- final conclusion was. Um, so there's like a bunch of really hidden stuff because this is a game that like encourages you to mess with the system files. You may have, as I did, you know, like opened the character files to see what they are, and if you do that, you'll notice that like um, Monica. Sayori and uh, Natsuki all have hex-based character files, um, but Yuri's is in base 64. I'm not uh, smart enough for any of this, so yeah. continue. So, yeah, so basically it has to do with the way the data is encoded, um, and you can see it if you just look at the files in, the, in like a plain text editor, you'll see that they look different from each other. Okay. Um, and basically... Hex is like a base 16, it was a, is a common encoding system scheme, like, um, and base 64 is a less common thing, and that's like something you would just copy-paste. So if you copy-paste Yuri's character file into a base 64 translator, you will find an old short story that the game creator wrote um, that's just like a short horror story that apparently, like, he wrote two years before the game and thought it would be fun to include as an Easter egg. Hmm, okay. Uh, the other three however, are, like, full-scale, full deep ARG-type things. So, like, one of them you have to open as a PNG, uh, and then that's a texture with an inverted color set, so you have to invert the colors and then put the texture on a cone, and then if you look at the cone from above, you see, like, the face of a girl with whited-out eyes. Hmm. Um, and then, like, Natsuki's is, like, if you open that as a PNG, it's like a it's a picture of, like, this fiery ring surrounding a grid of, like, black and white dots. And if uh, you use the black and white dots as binary, then... That's Monica. Yeah, Is that Monica? On. Okay. that's Yeah, sorry. That's Monica. Um, yeah, so there's, like... Uh, yeah, yeah. The, the PNG is Natsuki, I think. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, so... I forget where, does, where the binary leads you from that one. Um, oh, it leads you to... Uh... Oh, what's it called? It's a... I don't want to say a poem, but it's like a small piece of text. Okay. Yeah, so that, that gets you like another backstory bit. Um, Monica's one is the one that like you have to open as a .og, which is a sound file, mm-hmm. and then you have to run the sound file through a visualizer so you can see the sound waves, <laughs> and then run the, the visualized sound file through a like a image filter to get a QR code and then the QR code takes you to like some base 64 which you then translate to get a URL. Uh, <laughs> see this is I'm not like part of me is thinking how did I not hear about any of this but then I remember that I just have no patience for ARGs whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> so yeah. I mean it's um, interesting and I, I appreciate the effort that goes into it uh, both in the creation side and the discovery side but yeah. No, I know. I like. I go like. How did anybody like? Really, you were gonna f- image filter process the fucking sound file visualization? Like, okay. Who the um, fuck is just? Who the fuck is gonna slap a texture on a cone for no reason? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, you can I'm sort of see it. 
Yeah. Because you can, looking oh, okay. at it flat, you can see that it's a texture for something. It looks like one of those, um, oh, I forget what those, those, um, distorted, like, parabolic yeah. images. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, like, that one's easier than the others. I don't know how they fucking found the, uh, <laughs> the, the Sayori one. Yeah. That. <laughs> but, um, so basically all of this points to stuff, um, that is hinted at in the game in the form of the novel that Yuri keeps talking about, which is like the Markov prophecy or something like that, or the Markov oh, okay. project or something. Yeah. Um, about like this group that's doing this like religious group that's doing human experiments and turns people into like killing machines. Um, and there's a thing about a third eye that keeps coming up over and over. And if you, um, like the, the final one, like the URL takes you to, um, some like test data where you like see the like experimental results of this like uh, psychic awakening thing they were trying to do. Uh, that's like some scientists were trying to do. And um, like the test data says that like the person like was able to like wake up their psychic powers, but unable to control them. Ah, uh, yes. The classic. And, yeah. <laughs> so the, the, the thing I read uh, or it was actually a series of YouTube videos. There's also, like, one of the special poems that you can get in the second half of the game because uh, in the second half of the game, there's, like, 11 special poems and you randomly get three of them in the course of your playthrough. Um, one of them is, like, mostly redacted text, and if you look at it under, like, a super high contrast filter, you can read the redacted text. Okay, yeah, I got that one, and I... I, yeah. I always wonder about about those kinds of things, like contrast sort of things, because I've seen I've seen that happen a lot in yes. in similar situations. So yeah, so, yeah. So you can read that text, and it's also about like a, a guy talking about a report of um, like a family, and they're like all coming down with some kind of horrible illness, and he's not, like they have the same symptoms, and like something weird is going on, kind of thing. Um, so the the thought is that this may all be marketing for the next horror game that they're going to release. Um, the, the video that I watched uh, posited that um, the characters from this game are actually, like, the characters that are going to be in that game, and that, like, Yuri was the test subject who was, like, awakened, and that Monica is going to be, like, the protagonist of this next game, hmm. which I don't know if I would actually go so far as that based on I the evidence presented, but... The author said that the new game doesn't have anything to do with, with the old one. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a little bit of a stretch from the given evidence. But there like there clearly was arg evidence hidden in there and it's clearly, you know, leading to something. Um and it sounds like it could be the uh this sort of like insane cult doing experiments, psychic experiments type thing. Nice. Uh, but you know, that's interesting, hiding the Hiding an arg for your next game in the in the free like sensationalist game that you release. Yeah, that's that's uh that's not a bad plan of attack for sure. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. honestly, I remember being kind of intrigued by the idea um, of that the story that that Yuri was having you read, um, and for as much of maybe not a great time as I had with this game uh, this time around, um, I. I, I that sounds more interesting to me, just like a straight horror thing rather than yeah. than going into all this metagamey stuff. Um, yeah, it's 
it's cute. It's a cute gimmick, and it's nice to see games do, like, sort of weird experimental gimmicks sometimes, but I think, on the whole, there were other ways this game could have been more interesting than it abandoned. Yeah. I, I'm yeah, sort I of... Yeah, like, like, maximum two of the themes. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. either, like, depression along with the horror, or the horror along with the meta. <laughs> All three just makes it jumpy. Yeah, I... I mostly am sort of just getting tired of everybody doing, trying to do new things with the same gimmicks or with the same, you know, new gimmicks within the same sort of themes, uh, especially of like file, file buggering, uh, metagames. Um, I want new, I want new gimmicks basically, but I don't know. I mean, I feel like I, I've seen that. Maybe it's because I just haven't played the same games as you have, but Maybe. I've seen that seldom enough that like the novelty of that is still pretty novel for me, and I think there are, there are still like more interesting things you could get out of it. Um, but I'd, I'd also be open to seeing other things. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm not sure I've ever seen those types of meta things work without it seeming cheesy. I guess yeah. I guess if you want it to not like. I feel like, and again, I, I don't know, I always come back to Undertale somehow. Um, I think, like, the way Undertale did it was by leaning into the cheesiness. <laughs> like, yeah. understanding that it was cheesy and, like, acknowledging that and sort of reveling in sort of how cheesy it was. Um, but in a in a very also earnest and heartfelt way. Mm-hmm. I don't uh, know. I don't... I feel like the fourth water stuff or the meta stuff didn't didn't help Undertale in any way. Yeah, I mean that's fair. That's it's a it's also a matter of like personal preference stuff. So if yeah. it doesn't work for you, it doesn't work for you. Yeah. Um, I I would I would uh, wholeheartedly and as with as little bias as possible uh, go into you know this this next project if it's like more of a straight horror game. Uh, and yeah, I, I think that could be really enjoyable. I think I think the writing chops of of this team are definitely there. Yeah, I mean, some of the stuff that like Monica says in that last like ending sequence are like interesting and would be like interested in, to delve into. Yeah. Um, also, because because I have to do this because I'm I like the art dweeb. Uh, I thought the art was really solid in this game, and that was like. Apart from how everyone's hands were so tiny and had like really small <laughs> bodies, which I think is more of a stylistic thing, um, yeah. but like the backgrounds were amazing, especially for like a free, freely available visual novel. Uh, yeah. Like backgrounds are one of the first things that get skimped on, and I was really impressed by those in this. In this, so yeah, it had quite high production values. Yeah, um, it. Uh, I like that they play with the the like it being. Japanese, but not Japanese. Thing. Yeah, there are a couple really good, really cute jokes. Uh, one of them is uh, like in the actual first sequence as a real joke, where they uh, something about like how Monica doesn't like squid, and Natsuki makes a comment about like, but your name is Monica. Yeah, you know, and she's like, what do you mean? You know, Monica, and uh, Monica's like, that's not how you pronounce my name. Also, that joke doesn't, doesn't work at work all in, in translation. translation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was really cute as well. 
Like that's uh, that's the kind of fourth wall breaking I can get behind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh and then in one of these things that Monica can say in the end, she talks about like, hey, is this game supposed to take place in Japan? Because like it kind of feels like it is, but there's also it's also like there's it's like super vague and like not really addressed and this doesn't really feel like Japan that much either. So yeah. like where is this even supposed to be set? That part it I almost feels like it should be set in Japan. <laughs> yeah, that part I almost feel like is uh less commentary on this game in particular and more commentary on uh, Western-made visual novels, which yeah. a lot of them seem to have that same aesthetic where they're like, well, it, it's in Japan, but I'm not Japanese, so I don't have like the cultural basis to write super convincingly about living in Japan. It, it takes place less in Japan and more in like an anime classroom. Yeah, it, it, it exists within, you know, the anime the version of Japan. Yeah. It exists within, like, the the cultural amalgamation of understandings and stereotypes that we got from anime that makes up Japan. Yeah. <laughs> also, can I say how I really love a visual novel that doesn't make me play through it a thousand times to actually get the story? Yeah. Yeah. Because... Yeah, even though it, like, theoretically makes you take makes you play it three times but it varies it enough each time that it doesn't it feels like one continuous playthrough more yeah. than it feels like you're replaying because um, every like there were a lot of times in the second half where I was like going really fast and skipping through a lot of the dialogue uh, and then I would have to like wait wait let me check the history that seems different than what I remember yeah, yeah um, and the the weird ones doesn't show up in history right yeah, the black. Te- well, I think in some cases it does. In do, some, if, yeah. If it's a if it's a text that you have to click past to move on, then it appears in the history. If it's a text that appears quickly and then disappears on its own, then it doesn't appear in the history. Oh, yeah. I see. Yeah. And uh, you know, some some of both of that type in the weird font show up. Mm-hmm. So. Um, but yeah. Yeah, Do we want to, like, talk about the poems at all? Uh, we did a little bit. I, I, other than they, they, like, provide a ton, like, more characterizing than the actual dialogue in many cases. I don't know if there's, and that they're kind of creepy a lot of the time. I don't know if there's that much to say about them. Yeah, I don't have them, I don't have them readily available to me right now either, so. They're fun to read. Some of yeah. them are really well written. Yeah. They're mostly really well written. Mm-hmm. There's like one or two that are intentionally kind of like goofy, but for the most part they're like they're pretty solid. And I think the the author did a a good job of displaying like their different writing styles through each of the characters. Like this is still a good poem but written in a very Yuri style and like this is a good poem written in the Natsuki style. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I I am still sort of consistently impressed with the writing chops of you know whoever the the main writer was or team of writers uh were for this game uh you know despite despite its shortcomings yeah a, a lot of it is really very solid and i know that's like that's sort of what always happens when when there's big issues it's like it's really easy to talk about the big issues and and gloss over uh the stuff that works just because yeah, just, just it was really good. Yeah, just because, you know, that's that's just like the nature of conversation. It's it's a lot easier to riff on things. 
Uh, even yeah. if, even if, I mean, we're not really riffing, we're just discussing our, the issues. Um, but yeah, it's, it's hard it's, to praise the good writing when there's bad writing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's also, it's, it's much easier to notice the things that stand out. And if your game is mostly good, then it's the bad things that stand out. Mm -hmm. Right? I think in a lot of ways we, we can be a little bit easier on games that are bad because we look for the nice things to say about them. Yeah. You know, whereas a game that is, ultimately quite solid you like you notice that one or two standout things that like maybe weren't as up to polish as everything else yeah so i have a question in the second act mm -hmm. um does yuri write a poem or like not a poem but actually a letter to you yes that, that wants you to like help natsu yeah, I remember uh, getting that. No, the other way around. Natsuki oh, writes you a letter yeah. to help Yuri. Yeah, you're right. I know she, she does, but I think. But I was thinking, can you get it the other way around? I don't think I, so. I doubt it. Yeah. Considering that, like how how strongly the game pushes you at. Yeah, your I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I um. Weird. Yeah, because sort of ostensibly, like, I this time I got Natsu's uh letter, um while I was trying to path the game toward Natsuki and it didn't work. Um, but the last time I played it, in the second half, I pathed it towards Yuri and I didn't get any corresponding thing. So I think the nature of the game is that it it, it is, for the most part, on rails throughout the entire thing. Um, well, throughout the entire second half. I think that's kind of an interesting, like, also commentary horror-wise in that, like, the cute, fun dating sim part, you have a lot of choice, and that as things get scarier and scarier, your agency is also taken away from you. Yeah. Um, like, the more you, tr you know, you can struggle and try all you want to do certain things, but the game is going to force you to do what it wants no matter what, and that's very in keeping with, like, the characters and how they're behaving and, like, how the story is going at that time. Yeah. Yeah. At least thematically. Um, which is cool. You know, that's a Good, good game design and narrative integration there, guys. <laughs> you <job>. did it. <laughs> um, I, I, so I was one of the people in my chat was someone who's watched like a bunch of playthroughs of these. Like he is sort of recreationally watches people play Doki Doki. Um, and he mentioned that there's a in the second half you lose you lose more and more agency, um, but and also like some things that happen there are, like are different things that happen, but they're random. So oh, even okay. the things that change are they don't change because of you they just change. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Because I haven't. I mean, I'm I'm sure he would have more of a sense of like what's random and what you have an impact on than mm -hmm. any of us having played it one or two times. So yeah, that's that's good insight to have. I will say, like, especially after the second day, like, I was like very disturbed while playing it like it it worked on me it was very scary for me i get scared real easily though so that's not necessarily like a high bar yeah i mean i get scared really easily but that did not really happen this game really i'm not sure why i got more scared of playing her story huh interesting oh, yeah because of that that damn reflection that just pops out for no reason <laughs> yeah. god yeah, <laughs> Yeah. 
or it's like That's a like jump scare too, but it's not meant to like make you scared of jump scares. Yeah. It's just meant to be unnerving. I, I know this is like a tangent, but the 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 unintentional horror of uh her story reminds me of the uh intentionally red herring horror of like Gone Home. Yeah. <laughs> that 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 just crazy. occurred to me like now, exactly. which is why yeah. I'm saying it now instead of saying it last time. Um Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, this idea of like it like gets your tension up and gets your tension up and gets your tension up and then it's like it's fine. Listen, it's fine. You're okay. <laughs> yeah. There's uh. a there's a one sequence in the fucking end scenes with uh with Monica where she's like, Oh hey, I can do a trick, you wanna see? And then it like slowly zooms in on her and you're like, There's a jump scare coming, there's a jump scare coming, there's a jump scare coming, and then it like zooms back out and she's like he, he, I was just kidding, and then it jump scares you, oh. <laughs> and it's like, then she's like, "Ha, did I scare you?" And I'm like, "Yeah, you scared me. God damn it! Dang it!" <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I feel like I think, we're running out of steam. I was gonna say that's that's pretty much yeah. all I have to say about that game. I feel like we covered my three topics. Yeah, slash four topics with the arg. In, uh, in enough depth. Yeah. Um, I can see why this sort of caught on as like a, a sort of zeitgeist moment thing. Um, mm-hmm. Because it's like just, it's like not an unknown thing, but it was like just far uh, out enough from the mainstream that like this is the first time it's catching on mainstream. And horror stuff is always really fun to watch people stream. And it's like most mainstream gamers don't play games with as much meta stuff as is in this. Yeah. And so, you know. And it's free, which makes it really accessible to, like, anybody who would want to play it, so. Yeah, so I can see where it, uh, like, where where it got gained its popularity. Um, Let's not play another horror game again for a while, huh? Yeah, that's, yeah. (laughs) We could do, like, one every three years or something. (laughs) Yeah. I have one more note that I realized that it's not that important, but one thing I sort of liked about this game, well, it it started out, I thought it was going to be like that, and it's like the visual novel dating scene where people get removed one by one instead of you pick one and go for it. <laughs> and I really like that, because you get like more info about everyone you care about. <laughs> I mean, yeah, although it's also, like, in this context, at least very ominous. Yeah, yeah, but you could do it without being... Without, without them, them dying. dying. Yeah. yeah. That's fair. Um, yeah, that's sort of... They do that in Danganronpa, too, but that's the same sort of ominous context of people dying. dying. I still need to play Danganronpa. I yeah, I just I haven't gotten around to it yet. It is a it is a silly as heck game. Yeah. Um, having played both that and nine nine nine, um, Danganronpa oh. like definitely crosses the line into too goofy to take seriously periodically. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, nine nine nine. What a colossal disappointment. <laughs> Don't I love that game? No, I like the game. It's just like the series as a whole where. Oh, um, I haven't the latter games. The so. second, yeah, the second one ends on a cliffhanger, and they're like, it, it ends on a cliffhanger, and then basically I, 
from what I remember, like the studio ran into some trouble and the the director was like, yeah, I don't know if we're ever going to get to resolve this. And then the third game came out, which I, I actually haven't played, and I've heard that it's not very good, um, which is really disappointing because I, yeah, 999 is, like, great. <laughs> so. And that also goes off the rails weird at the end. Yeah. And has, and has some unusual meta elements in the form of, like, justifying the way that you have to like replay the game multiple times as part of the narrative yeah because the narrative is about alternative story a lot like uh, alternative timelines mm-hmm. and like multiverse theory um that damn sudoku really cool. puzzle <laughs> fucking best boss fight in any game God, ever that was like such a such an effective fake out so here's the here's the weird thing is that like they re they released that game recently for pc and i'm like how the fuck are you doing that last bit on PC? Like, the whole yeah. point of that is it's on the DS. You have to turn the DS upside down. That's, huh. like, the coolest thing in the game. How are you supposed to, like, match that on PC? I really... Oh man, now we're just on every tangent, and that's fine. Sorry. But I... No, it's okay. I really love... Uh, like, we, I feel like we don't see as many of those dual screen gimmicks with the 3DS as we did with the original DS. Like, I'm, I'm thinking specifically about the, um, in, what was it, Phantom Hourglass, the Zelda game? Yeah. How there was the thing where you had to close the clamshell <laughs> and open it back up to, like, get things to show up on your map. Yeah. Man, that's, like, such good use of the hardware, and a lot of that has fallen out. Yeah. I was stuck on that thing for like six hours. Oh, yeah, oh no! <laughs> it was. It would have been better if it was easier to figure out. Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, yeah. No, that, I, I think it's you know worthwhile talking about like uh, horror and and why we show. But yeah, so I I agree that like it's good to get more in depth with the characters that you like actually want to learn about in a in a Viznov. Um to be honest, I kind of liked that about the Dream Daddy formula where it wasn't that there was like a single progression, it was you know, learn about these people as much as you want and then commit to one person when you're ready to do so. Yeah. Mm. Um and I I really you know, after the, like, first half, I really just wanted to know more about, like, especially Natsuki and Yuri. Like, I wanted to hang out with them and spend time with them because they had a lot of traits that I related to. Like, I related to Yuri's writing style and the way she got into her books. And I related to, you know, um, like, Natsuki, like, feeling, like, a little sheepish about, you know, really liking manga and the fact that she, like wanted her collection to be complete and like couldn't stand if there was like a volume missing yeah so like I wanted to be good friends with them I wanted to get to know them better um but there was not room for that in this game yeah yeah maybe in another dating sim true <sighs> alright so yeah. horror games are off the table for a little bit for a while uh, what yeah are we, what are we playing next Kelso uh the next game we are playing which uh Apparently, we all bought this game a while ago in preparation to play it, 
and then forgot. Forgot. So, uh, I we, think we had, it was one of those where we planned like two, the next two games in a row that we were going to play. And then maybe we took too long or something. Yeah, that to could play have been. The, the one and we just forgot that we had planned another game after that. Yeah, that's, that's like super not at all far out of the realm of possibility for us. Um, flying by the seat of our pants on this podcast. <laughs> but we will be playing the game uh, Submerged, which is a... It, it's basically just an atmospheric sort of exploration game um, revolving around a girl and her brother in the sort of flooded post-apocalyptic ruins of a big, like, metropolitan city-type area. Uh, pretty, pretty straightforward. Not... It, it's much more about the atmosphere than it is about, like, gameplay. Um, but it's a cool-looking game. I've been wanting to... I've played a little bit of it. I've uh, been wanting to actually, like, sit down and really commit to it. Um, yeah, Submerged by Uppercut Games. You can find it on Steam. That's what we're playing. I bet we're going to be comparing this a lot to Abzu. Possibly. In terms of water exploration games. Yeah, it's it's more above water than underwater. So, <laughs> yeah. so even though it's called submerged. Yeah, I guess that's because the city is mostly submerged, is my <laughs> guess. <laughs> but yeah, that's what we're playing. Alright, I'm excited. <sighs> Less scary, more relaxing. Yeah. We won't we won't do this to you again for a while. Yeah. True. I mean, I there's guess really, there's really only so many of the, like these games that my heart can take. To be honest, yeah, I don't, uh, I don't. I mean, like I said, I haven't played this game entirely, so like I'm gonna feel really bad if there's something like secretly scary, scary in it. <laughs> um, but hopefully not. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully not. <laughs> um. Yeah. Okay. Plugs. Sorry. I'm like, I don't know getting all distracted now. At least it's not snowing anymore. Uh, I am Kelso. You can find me on Twitter at Kelso Timebomb. Uh, also at K Timebomb Art, which is my art tweets. Uh, that's what I do besides this podcast that you're already listening to, so I don't need to tell you about it. Yeah. Um, I uh, am Kyla Fury. You can follow me at Kyla underscore go on Twitter. Um, I, other than this, I primarily do a weekly stream on Sunday mornings, uh, where I stream old video games that people are nostalgic about that I haven't played, and, uh, we see how the nostalgia holds up. Uh, currently we're playing Secret of Mana, um, which we tried to play co-op for many weeks, uh, and it turns out it's not real. like, despite the fact that it has a full co-op mode, not really very optimized for co-op, it works much better as a single-player single game. <laughs> Which has been real sad for my husband, who rage quit <laughs> after last week. Oh, um, he's like, "Nah, it's too frustrating. Can't do it." Which is a perfectly reasonable response because it was, uh, like, it is very frustrating. I mean, it's a it's a multiplayer game where, like, you know, the camera, like, when you butt up against the edge of a camera, you just can't go anywhere until your <laughs> your other player like comes and joins you. Yeah. Um, and you also. Uh, I don't know. There's a lot of like input lag to a, to attacking enemies for for reasons that I won't get into. It's it's a frustrating game, and I totally understand his frustration. But so I've taken over playing it solo instead of playing it co-op. <laughs> but 
Yeah, yeah. come watch that. That's Sunday mornings. Yeah. And you can follow me on Twitter at Skug3. Tweet Carl if you remember us uh, talking about From Dust. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's right. so funny. Uh, anyway. Uh, maybe, thank- it's, maybe it's out there. Maybe it's those, one of those things like the, uh, the Berenstein Bears that's yeah. in, a, in an alternate universe somewhere. Perhaps. <laughs> or the uh, whole Shazam Kazam thing. Or maybe I just fucked up. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe maybe that episode was up there and I somehow deleted it accidentally. Like while I was sleepwalking. Uh <laughs> I don't I mean I don't sleepwalk to my Monica knowledge. It for yeah, you. Monica Monica, god damn it. <laughs> uh yeah. Well, uh thank you for listening. Uh feel free to message us if you are interested in joining us for a future game or if you have suggestions if there's a game that you really love and want to talk about and want to suggest it uh as a as a future featured game for the podcast totally do that we love having guests and uh having people to talk to and join us on a sunday on a sunday afternoon at least here in the united states uh sorry carl <laughs> um yeah it's we'll be back sunday. Yeah, I guess that's true. It's not really afternoon, but we're close. <laughs> uh, we'll be, yeah, we'll be back next time with Submerged. You can find that on Steam. Uh, and until then, we, I don't know what I was going to say. We'll see you later. <laughs> Bye. Yeah, we really don't. No, oh, it's fine. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>